Good morning, Twitter. I'm Saeed Jones. He is Isaac Fitzgerald. It is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019, which means today is the day I'm interviewing Serena Williams, <laughs> the greatest athlete alive. Also, you're watching AM2D. <laughs> <laughs> Are you excited? Uh, yeah, I'm super excited. This is, I, okay, I'm calming myself down. Okay. Like this, one breathing, a lot of breathing exercises, so forgive me if you see me doing them on camera. Um, but also I'm like, well, all I have to do is talk to her. It could be worse. I could be competing against her. Oh, anything. Just, that's a good, know. I feel like everything about life is expectations, right? Yep, yep. Interviewing her does seem better yeah. than playing Nothing against her. Nothing between us but coffee mugs, like, like <laughs> no net. You know what I mean? Could you imagine? <laughs> I like the idea of you guys just playing it out yeah. a little I bit. I stand in solidarity with every person who has competed against Serena Williams. <laughs> I woke up this morning like, um... <laughs> And you're like, and I get to wear nice shoes what while of, I do it. What I don't kind have of morning do you have when you're like, okay, so I'm gonna whew. play Serena Williams. That's I like that, man. Yeah. I like that that kind of thought process <laughs> that you're going through. Let's take it to the timeline. What do you think a tennis match between Saeed Jones and Serena Williams would look like? Let us know using the hashtag AM to DM. Or, you know, simply a ping pong bang. Like ping pong bang. Like lower stakes. I think I would try to convince her. I was like, what if we just hit the balls at the audience? Like people you don't like. Just like, <laughs> ah, that guy doesn't look very friendly. Go for him. Leave like, me out of this. I like that. I like that. Well, man. a lot happened last night in terms of elections. And let's mm. talk about it. Here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. Chicago voters have elected Lori Lightfoot as mayor. This is the first time in history the city will be led by a black woman. Lori Lightfoot is also the city's first out gay mayor. And this is a lot. This, yeah. is, this is very exciting. Pretty historic. A pretty historic moment. Um, it's very exciting. We've uh, we've got, you know, she was a prosecutor beforehand. Yeah, she's a this former federal prosecutor. This will be the first role that she holds, uh, but it is a big deal for Chicago. Yeah, and she kind of campaigned. She used that, I think, to her advantage in the runoff election, mm -hmm. um, where she was kind of like, I'm fairly new to politics in the city, and, you know, Chicago politics is a lot of, like, old party corruption and stuff like that, so I think that worked to her advantage, at least in the campaign. Um, she had a commanding lead with 95% of precincts reporting last night. She got 74% of the vote mm -hmm. uh, compared to Preckwinkle's 26%. So... You know, I mean, that one that's could argue that's a mandate. I do know that it was kind of a lower numbers of voter turnout okay, yeah. because it was a runoff, but mm -hmm. that's really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. That said, she had some really wonderful words. She was great. I mean, she said a lot about, like, kind of what this could mean for the future of the city of Chicago. And just part of it, she said, little girls and boys are watching, and they're seeing the beginning of something, well, a little bit different. She said they are seeing a city reborn where it doesn't matter who you love, just as long as you love with all your heart. And that's that's just beautiful. Yeah, not it's hard not to get excited about yeah. that kind of statement. Yeah. Also, Zach Stafford, editor-in-chief of The Advocate magazine, noted that Chicago wasn't alone in making queer history. Madison, Wisconsin, also elected a queer woman as mayor, and Kansas City, Missouri, may be following right behind. That's really exciting. And listen, I will say, like as someone who grew up in the state of Texas, I remember when Houston elected its first outgate mm. mayor and she was re-elected, and it just it means a lot, you know? And so these are symbolic victories, but listen, across the country and around the world, LGBT rights are still very fraught, very much under uh, fire. And so these, these little victories, you know, I think give people hope. To that point, though, <laughs> we have some troubling news out of Washington, D.C. Republicans are trying to kill an LGBT bill in Congress by arguing that it, wait for it, hurts women. BuzzFeed News reporter Dominic Holden, who wrote that piece, joins us now. Good morning, Dom. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? We're Good. doing all right. Let's start with the beginning of this story, though. What is the bill these Republicans are trying to kill? So this bill is called the Equality Act. It was first introduced in 2015. Republicans controlled uh, both of the chambers, and so they weren't able to uh, move this bill through. Democrats see an opportunity. And what this would do is create a federal ban on discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Right now, we don't have any federal law explicitly banning that sort of discrimination. So if you are in states, particularly these red states that don't have any civil rights protections for LGBT people in the workplace and housing and public accommodation. You can be fired for being gay. You can be fired for being transgender or kicked out of a restaurant. And so this bill would finally change that and make it illegal to discriminate against LGBT people. 
Okay. Okay. So, Dom, I recently was reading a study um, that polled LGBT people in terms of how they identify and think about themselves, and I found an interesting detail. Most out LGBT people identify as women. So, how is the Republican Party pushing back against this LGBT bill by arguing that it hurts women? Uh, that even sounds like a poll that was uh, commissioned in part with BuzzFeed News. And yeah, it does seem a little bit ironic that the Republican Party is holding itself up here as this champion of women all of a sudden. Um, their argument is really takes issue with the provisions that protect transgender people. They say that if gender identity is based on simply how someone identifies, then anyone could identify as a woman in order to receive some sort of protections, thereby blurring the lines of what it means to be male or female, and effectively uh, eliminating women as a protected class. Um, the, they brought up issues of transgender athletes. I should point out these people categorically refer to transgender people by their sex identified as birth. So a transgender woman, they just call a man. They basically argue that transgender people do not exist, um, but that trans female athletes would compete and beat cisgender female athletes. They contend that Transgender women would lie uh, in order to obtain government contracts. And what they don't acknowledge is that the gender transitions that people go through change their capacity in uh, athletic competitions. They don't acknowledge that to lie about your gender identity would still be fraud. But this is their sort of uniform talking point, um, not that they are opposed to LGBT rights, but rather that the Republican Party is the great champion of women. Okay, and you touched on it for a moment there, Dom, and I'm sure you could go on at length. But so that is the argument that these GOP lawmakers and activists are using to try and kill this bill. Why are their arguments complete and utter bullshit? <laughs> um, you know, it, it does feel like a uh, it breaks the, the bounds of cred credulity for the Republican Party to say that it is the champion of civil rights and uh, of women's rights. You know, uh, when the Violence Against Women Act was being reauthorized in the House, the opposition came uh, from the Republican Party. Uh, this is the party that has sought to defund women's health care. They have sought to deny assistance to uh, families that need help. Um, and it regularly appeals to men. Uh, the majority of the Republican parties, both elected officials by far, but also base of support is male. There's a lot of sexist themes there. Um, it would be more convincing uh, if uh, suddenly the Republican Party were claiming to be working in the interest of women if it wasn't in service of discriminating against LGBT people. Um, I wanted to ask, I mean, this is, you know, ridiculous and, and just utter bullshit, as you said, but I also, like, I, you know, sometimes bullshit is something you should take seriously. You know what I mean? Is this fair to draw a parallel to the way people use this argument to, like, scare people, you know, losing um, the restroom um, bills, for example, as a way to turn people against trans people to fight LGBT policy? Well, you know, it's not new for the religious right in particular to raise this argument that transgender women will use these uh, protections in order to access women's restrooms and become sexual predators. This has been really key to uh, opposing LGBT rights in Houston, in Massachusetts, in other parts of the country as well. But what's really interesting is that we're seeing this sort of laser focus message emerging yesterday. It wasn't just the Republican Party saying that uh, it has these impacts. We also saw the Heritage Foundation, uh, which has influenced these trans military bans and other anti-LGBT policies, uh, tweeting that this was going to erase women. The Alliance Defending Freedom was out there saying that this victimizes women. That's the same group fighting to say it's legal to fire transgender workers. They're behind that gay wedding cake case in Colorado. So we were really seeing this consistent message, and they're trying to essentially take the ideas of feminism, that they're the ones who oppose sex stereotyping, uh, they are the ones who oppose the victimization of women, and take that mantle of civil rights for themselves. They also want to fundamentally sort of invert the frame 
of why the Equality Act is being introduced. There's legitimate examples, so many, of anti-LGBT discrimination, particularly against transgender women. And to now say that transgender women are categorically a dangerous brigade of, of men and that cisgender women are the real victims um, is really trying to flip the way uh, feminism and civil rights have evolved over the last several years. And uh, they're hoping that maybe people will forget what the Republican Party's actual history is with women. And Don, let's broaden the aperture there a little bit, because I know that's what they're doing to try and kill this bill. But I feel like this speaks to a broader issue, and you mentioned it in your piece, how the right is co-opting the language of the left, basically taking the language of the left and using it to their own purposes. Where are some other areas we've seen them doing this? You know, I think that we have uh, watched, uh, you know, even people like Donald Trump campaigning, saying that he is the guy who's really looking out for uh, African-Americans. Um, we have heard him claim that he is going to be the hero for LGBT people generally. Um, I think that what people need to do is look historically at who have been the champions of these issues, whether it's women's health care, whether it is the rights of African-Americans uh, to be free of discrimination or violent policing, and analyze whether there's credibility to these claims. And so here is the million-dollar question. What is the mm -hmm. likelihood of this bill being defeated? I mean, I would probably say uh, 100%, ultimately. Uh, the Democrats have a majority in the House of Representatives. They appear poised to pass it, but the Senate is still controlled by Republicans. There's no indication that Mitch McConnell will bring this up. And I think that the question going ahead for the left, even if it's in the next Congress, um, is how do you get to 60 votes in the Senate? Is some sort of compromise going to be necessary in order to pass it? For instance, uh, leaving out public accommodations or saying it does not apply to small businesses or having a provision for bathrooms. People on the left will tear themselves apart over this dispute and may decide that it's better to simply wait until they can get a 60 vote majority in the Senate. But that could be a really long way off. Right. Well, Dom, thank you for your reporting. The story is so, um, so crucial for many reasons, as you elucidated. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Couldn't help but notice that he was sitting in front of a News Guild union banner. Just want to point that out. Yeah, real it's quick. not lost on us that BuzzFeed News continues to advocate for unionization. <laughs> and you can follow BuzzFeed News Union on Twitter. Exactly. Well, friends, we've got another great show for you today. Serena Williams is going to be here. All right. And the cast of Sabrina, Woo! which is fitting because today is a very magical day. Why is that? Well, Serena Williams is going to be here. That is correct. Yep. Serena. <laughs> Serena Williams is here. We're so excited. But first, we're going to do some fire tweets. Pray Satan. Oh, very nice. Thank you. Fire! Fire! <laughs> Welcome back. Let's get into these fire tweets. Jennifer Downey tweeted, no offense, but what is like the point? Are we just supposed to work and buy coffee and listen to podcasts until we die? I'm bored. Uh... Yeah, Jennifer. I'm telling you, Jennifer, that's no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sign up for that. You can live your own life. Grab life by the reins. Sure. Get out there. Order tea instead of coffee. Uh, you know, uh, watch AM to DM instead of listen to podcasts. Change it up. Yeah, change. Variety's it up. the spice of life. Still gonna end the same way. All right. <laughs> Dallas has this next tweet. I like Twitter accounts that talk nonstop and get zero likes, but do not care. They just keep talking about nothing. I agree too. I just love it. That is like, the point of the platform. Just I truly do enjoy people that use Twitter the way that I feel like it was supposed to intentionally be uh -huh. used. Like, here's what's going on with my day. Right, just like internal monologue. Kind yeah, of. just yeah. telling stories. You know, playing for an audience of none. <laughs> Aaron Shack, you tweeted, This morning, my husband asked me if I remembered to pack his toothbrush, so I said, I am not your mom. And as I was walking away, I heard him say, you're not my friend either. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. What would One, you do Aaron, if you heard that? Aaron's a very good writer, a very funny really person. Funny. But I do know that her and her husband are going cross-trip right now in a oh, van. Oh, Cross-country wow. trip in a van. That's so that, I feel like there's an added layer to that. Yeah. Also, layer. you know, New York Magazine has that, they're, they're doing the marriage issue right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm just seeing all these tweets and reading all these articles about married couples, and I just, whew. 
I'm single and yet I'm somehow divorced. Just, <laughs> just going through it. But you know, you're not his friend. That's it's a really, really good okay. line. Put that on TV. <laughs> okay, friends, I'm so excited about Tweet of the Day because mm. it comes from the icon, the legend, Miss Patty Lupone. Mm. You ready? Boom! Her first tweet since she joined Twitter yesterday, contain me with only 280 characters? Fuck that. (laughs) I like the idea that that's just going to be her only tweet. (laughs) That she's like, she came here to be like, hey, I'm here, I'm established, no more imposter accounts. But this is just all I have to say. Patty Lupone is iconic, not just for her incredible performances, Vita, Sweeney Todd, just so much. But one of my favorite things that she does is she keeps it real at all times. Mm. Watch clips of her talking about Trump and politics. Do you want the smoke? Because she's got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dare you to be on your phone while she's performing. I don't know if you've seen a video of this, but mm. she was doing a performance mm. and someone in theater like had their phone mm. out. We know how disruptive that is. Mm. And she stopped the play. She stopped the play, called them out from the stage, and I believe got them escorted from the theater. Like, you don't want it. So here's the thing, and that is the thing. The one tweet seems wonderful to me and can stand alone as is, but I, for us, for the people, for for the general republic. The denizens of Twitter. We really hope she keeps tweeting. Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, either way, this would be iconic, but also, like, come drag us whenever you want, Heidi LaPone. Like, right... Like, I feel like Bette, Bette, Midler walked, Bette Midler walked to the timeline so Patty LuPone could run. <laughs> Incredible. So let's take this debate to the timeline. Do you think this will be Patty LuPone's only tweet, just iconic? Like, she came in, she walked into the club, and she walked right out, or is she going to keep dragging us? Uh, <laughs> let us know using the hashtag, we stand Patty LuPone. Oh keep God. giving us blessings. All right, well, coming up, Saeed will be sitting down with who are you talking to today? Uh, I think I'm talking to Serena Williams. Serena Williams. But up next, we are going live from the district. Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News politics reporter, Lisa Andrevia. Good morning, Lisa. Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Hi. Okay, so I have questions, as usual. Um, I recently saw <laughs> this tweet from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I straight up had no idea what she was talking about. Um, here's the part that confused me. She tweeted, The DCCC's new rule to blacklist and boycott anyone who does business with primary challengers is extremely divisive and harmful to the party. Okay, so... I like to think I follow the news. I like to think that I'm pretty smart. But listen, I don't know what the DCCC is. Like, is that different from the DNC? And I hadn't heard about this new rule until her tweet. So can you break it down for me? (laughs) Of course, I'm happy to. So the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is the campaign arm of House Democrats. And they do a lot of fundraising um, and and do a a lot of work to make sure that they retain the majority in the House. And what AOC is referring to uh, regarding that policy is this new policy that they rolled out at the end of last month that basically says the DTRIP will not work with consultants who are also working with challengers to current uh, incumbents, which has struck a nerve with a lot of people like AOC who won their their seat in Congress by knocking out an incumbent. That is fascinating and also makes a lot of sense, right? If you're basically going to remove funding from people that are helping younger people kind of get new seats, I could see that why that'd be upsetting. You wrote a piece on this kind of talking about how this is causing friction with the old guard and the new guard in the House. They've been getting along for a little while this is now. messy. This is messy. What's Nancy Pelosi saying? Yeah, so currently there are conversations happening between uh, members of the Progressive Caucus, um, and those are led by the uh, caucus co-chairs, Mark Pocan and Pramila Jayapal, who are speaking directly with Sherry Bustos, who is the chair of DTRIP. Now, currently, Sherry Bustos is saying they're going to stand firm by this policy, uh, that leadership has approved it. Um, But clearly, members are not happy about this, as you can see in AOC's tweet. Um, And Ayanna Presley, another another freshman Democrat who has a big voice, um, they came out hard against it on Twitter. So the whole thing has sort of spilled into the public. And if conversations between Bustos and and the progressives don't reach some kind of agreeable, um, I guess, conclusion, this could rise to the level of Nancy Pelosi. And as you mentioned, they've enjoyed this honeymoon period. So this could end up being the first real test if they're not able to figure something out. 
Yeah, I, I have to imagine. I, I'm just, I'm a little baffled. Um, in some ways, it seems like the new members of the Democratic caucus have been like the best thing to happen to the Democratic Party. They're, they've become stars. They're drawing energy and, and momentum. So why would the party even risk, as you mentioned, kind of creating further divisiveness within the party at this point? As Democrats like to say they're a big tent party, there's a lot of disagreement within that. But you're right, you know, these people have, these few members have a huge voice. So even though if it's just a handful of members, that really carries a long way and could upset the base. Um, the, Pramila Jayapal told me the other day that she thought this was a, an issue unifying the base. And it's exactly because it's it's uh, sort of isolating um, the, the type of new members that can come in uh, as challengers. Okay, I, I want to ask, how are the challengers respond? Like AOC, of course, tweeted that tweet yeah. over the weekend. But is there any, you know, how do how do they push back against this with the DCCC? Is there a possibility, an avenue for them to kind of fight back against it? Or is it just going to be, hey, this right. is the way things are? It kind of comes down to what hill they want to die on, right? Like at some point, they're going to have to decide this is the thing that they want to take to the mats that they that they've. Uh, seen disagreement about. But already, you know, AOC was calling for a pause in donations to DTRIP and saying that folks should donate directly to, to candidates in swing districts. Ayanna Presley was saying that this is going to keep women, people of color, and other marginalized groups who have a hard time entering mainstream politics anyway from coming in. So this could end up being a public battle. Um, but again, it's going to come down to if, if leadership is standing firm on this policy, it's going to come down to whether progressives want this to be the thing that they are going to the map for. Okay, we will see. Well, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. A Chinese woman carrying four cell phones and a thumb drive containing malware was arrested and charged with unlawfully entering Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida and lying to federal agents. So, Lisa, what are we, right? Right? Don't know what to do. Right? <laughs> Lisa, what do we know about this woman who got into Mar-a-Lago with like a spy kit? Yeah. So as you mentioned, um, what we know is that she got pretty far into the Mar-a-Lago property while the president was there for the weekend. Um, so she initially was uh, met with questions and appears to have said that she was trying to go to the pool. But when she got up to the receptionist desk, she told them um, that she was there for an event that didn't exist. And that's kind of how she hit some snags with security. And it turns out, yeah, she was carrying a bunch of cell phones, laptop, a, a thumb drive uh, with malware. And we don't know the full details of that, but that doesn't sound good, right? Because at the, bot at the end of the day, what we're talking about is access to the president of the United States. Yeah, like at the very minimum, she was in the same building as the president of the United States with some stuff that, that you know, sounds like spyware. Like, that is, that is crazy. Um, what has the Secret Service had to say for itself? Well, the Secret Service put out a statement saying that while they do conduct searches of people who come onto the property to make sure that they're not physically carrying things that they shouldn't be onto the property, they did point out that Mar-a-Lago uh, is the entity that is in charge of um, deciding who is allowed onto the property. And again, while there's no, there's actually no, nothing to suggest that this woman actually had direct access to or any inter type of interaction with Trump while he was there, uh, it's kind of an interesting way to split hairs into which entity is, is responsible for what and kind of trying to distance themselves from the situation. But again, as I said before, the, the bottom line is this is about access to the president. And so I'm just picturing the Secret Service is basically like, oh, that's really, that's on Mar-a-Lago security. Yeah, which, and Mar-a-Lago security is like, hang on a second. Yeah. When, like, is there a way in which this might end up with, I don't know, taxpayers paying for more security at Mar-a-Lago? Well, the important thing from this is that the, the takeaway should be that any kink, uh, any snag between the way that these two entities are working together really needs to be resolved because it is so important. What we're talking about here is the security of the president of the United States. Like, this is literally one of the most important men in the world. Um, and and it's important to know, like, what is going on around him. This is, this is kind of like if some random person just walked off the street and got past the gates of the White House, right? That would be reason for alarm. This is a similar situation because Mar-a-Lago, you know, he treats it like a second home. He's down there a lot. So it's important to have uh, proper protocols in place for situations like this to avoid them. So he's not just breezing in like a friend, just yeah. coming, hey, what's going on? Who's here? Well, Lisa, thank you so much for talking with us this morning. 
Thank you for having me. See you guys later. See you yeah. later. All right, up next, Stephanie is talking to Amanda Mole about the millennial, uh, I'm sorry, the drinking habits of millennials. What about it? They're, they're this good. This is water. Yeah, it's fine. Where? It's fine. It's fine. Here's a tweet from Atlantic writer Amanda Mull. There have been many trend pieces on millennials quitting alcohol lately, which is an idea that drinking stats don't bear out. I heard from more than 100 people and wrote about what I think is actually happening, which is more like a search for moderation. Amanda joins me now to talk about what she discovered by writing her piece, Millennials Are Sick of Drinking. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about your piece is it really rang true to me as a millennial, uh, mm. as someone who's getting a little bit older, whose drinking mm. habits are changing. And I really related to a lot of the other people you talked to in this piece. So can you give examples of what that middle ground between total sobriety and heavy drinking is that millennials are really looking for? Yeah, I think that uh, as millennials get older, uh, a lot of us are you know, our bodies just don't hold up to alcohol as well as they used to. And that is true for our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation. Uh, but millennials are less likely to have kids and suburban houses and marriages that sort of uh, easily take us away from the social drinking of our 20s. Uh, so for millennials, we have to, we are in the position of finding a new like social norm uh, for what it means to be, uh, you know, not have kids and not, uh, and not, potentially be married uh, in our 30s. So that is sort of looking for uh, social avenues that don't involve alcohol or that maybe involve less alcohol. And uh, American drinking culture is really all or nothing. Uh, so finding that that middle ground uh, without uh, the aid of other life events sort of uh, moderating things for us is, is proving a little tricky, I think. I definitely feel that when you say we no longer can drink like we are in our 20s. That is 100% true for all of us older millennials as we hit our 30s. Uh, but another thing that you pointed out that I never really thought about before but makes a lot of sense is a lot of millennials are very invested in their health. You know, everyone <laughs> is trying to work on their mental health, work on their physical health. Do you think that plays into the need to maybe find a moderated drinking culture? Um, I think that those are sort of parallel trends, actually. I think that, uh, that they're both sort of spurred by millennials getting older and millennials knowing more about, uh, about their health, knowing more about nutrition. Uh, and a lot of that's good information, some of it's not. But I think that, I think that the sort of uh, fatigue and... Uh, and need to change our social conventions and need to change the ways that we socialize uh, has sort of spurred both of those things. So I think they're sort of parallel trends uh, instead of one creating the other, uh, or at least that's what I found from the people I talked to. One of the things that a lot of older people calling you out right now, boomers, yeah, throwing you under the bus for everything. Uh, they love to, boomers love to write about us, us killing things, right? I think the funniest thing we mm -hmm. ever killed was dryer sheets. You know, we kill everything. <laughs> so of course they're kind of, mm -hmm. of course the boomers are going to come out and be like, oh my God, millennials are killing drinking. They're going to kill the alcohol <laughs> industry. What do you say? What say you? Um, well, I think that the large corporations that make up much of the alcohol industry have sort of seen the writing on the wall, um, and they are starting to pivot. They are starting to offer uh, lower alcohol or no alcohol options, uh, and I think that that variety in general is good. Uh, it's, it's nice that people have uh, a greater array of options, so if you want to go out to a bar with friends, uh, you don't necessarily have to choose either uh, you know, a traditional option or just seltzer. Um, so I think that uh, I wouldn't worry about the companies too much. They'll figure it out. They'll, they'll always find something to sell. They'll always find something to blame us for, right? They didn't do anything yeah. wrong. <laughs> well, Amanda, <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me about this interesting trend. Yes, thank you for having me. Okay, let's take it to the timeline. Have you changed your drinking habits as you've gotten older? Do you still have the liver of a 22-year-old even though you're 35? I wish I knew what that was like. I have no idea what that's like. Let us know using the hashtag AMTDM. Up next, Isaac will be interviewing the cast of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Great show. Stay tuned.
Welcome back. I am so excited to be joined by the cast of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Ross Lynch, Gavin Leatherwood, Michelle Gomez, and Kiernan Shipka. Good morning, guys. How Hi, are you? What's going Doing on? Good. Praise Satan. Praise oh, Satan. Yeah. All day, every day, Satan. man. All day, every day. All right, every listen. Day. Season one, it was all kind of a will she, won't she, mm. dark, evil magic. What's Sabrina going to do? Oh, she will. Yeah. Sabrina, <laughs> yes, she yeah. do. She, oh, she, she did. Is. Oh, she did. What's it like leaning into the darkness? So fun. Yeah, there's so a lot to fun. lean into, and uh, we enjoy diving into that well. I wouldn't know, actually. I get the least amount of darkness, I'll be honest, on the show. (laughs) Even the mortals get a little bit. Yeah, no, I witness a lot of the darkness, but I don't actually get to, like, be the darkness. So (laughs) it's cool. You did taste it. I did taste it. (laughs) And once you get a little bit, you never go back. Just like a little bit. Just a little bit. Just like a little bit. I'm not too hungry. I just want to bite. Just like a bite of the dark. But it is, is it safe to say that season two is going to be kind of even darker than season one? Ten times more, in my opinion. Ten, yep. I'd say tenfold. Tenfold, absolutely. 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 Plain Sabrina, what's your favorite part of it? What's your favorite part of leaning into the darkness? Just the fact that she's actually a lot different than me and and just kind of personality-wise. I think we have some similar traits, but I feel like we're really different human beings. So just to be able to kind of slip into someone's shoes every day Mm -hmm. takes me out of my own head a lot, which is really fun. And also she just gets gets up to fun things. She she hangs out with cool people and she gets up to fun things. And, and, And that's, what I enjoy. I love when you say cool things, everybody's kind of giggling. Like, you're not giving away spoilers, but you're like, you're going to see, man. Oh, you're going to see. You're going to see. For sure. Michelle, your character's just so wonderful, just so fantastic, and you are just eating up the scenery. Are you having as much fun as it seems? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Come on, you know, it's always fun to play the play the evil one uh, I, I, it's just you know you get to do things that you you wouldn't normally be able to do in real life of course as Madam Satan it's uh, one of the best character names I'll ever get to play <laughs> and uh, yeah no I'm having a blast uh, having- with these guys for sure as well it's a lot It's we're having a lot of fun absolutely right before the cameras turned on you guys were talking about well yeah there's a new ship in town I think a new ship yeah. in town go yeah. on yeah. <laughs> I ship it um, I ship it Michelle the- and I were doing radio interviews uh, yesterday for about two hours and I couldn't help but notice how many people were commenting on our chemistry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's I don't know. We we were keeping it on the down low what yeah. we thought. Well, but we thought, it just, we're... you know it's out. We're out. Yeah. It's out. It's, it's, it's all out. It's starting it's, it's starting to bubble over a little bit. <laughs> a yeah a, a cauldron bit. is bubbling the, some might say. Yeah. Nice done. I'm, yeah. I'm all I sometimes it's just subconscious. What a transition. Ross oh. let's let's talk music. Let's talk music. Let's talk music. You're I'm ob- so down. You're in a band right absolutely Riverdale Two musical episodes, am yeah. I right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Any chance for a Sabrina musical episode? You know what? I've, musical I, number. I've talked to this about. I've t- talked about this with a few people, and I think if there's a cast that could execute a musical episode, it would be d- this cast. Uh huh. 100. Everyone's yeah. musically inclined. Every. Um, did you just say musical number? There's though? musical number. Yeah, there apparently. is. Yeah. There is, is yeah. There, yeah. What? Mind blowing. Can we there? Are I you allowed? Oh, no, I was yeah, totally <laughs> there. Roberto <laughs> has said that several times. So, oh, fine. So yes. I, I keep telling mm-hmm. everyone High that kick there's kick a musical number in the finale of the season that will blow your socks off. For sure. Knock your socks off or blow them. Whatever it is. Blow them. You're just wearing socks. It's going to do are something gone. to your socks. No, it's going to do something your to your socks. Your socks are not going to be able to find them. <laughs> I don't even wear They're socks. Off the feet. <laughs> if you guys were in a bin, what would it be? What would it be? Socksies. <laughs> not socks the name. What would each knock my socks off? Knock my socks off. <laughs> Take my socks. Right. Heal my socks. Okay. <laughs> what would each? What would you guys each play? That's what I'm asking. I would mm. play Gavin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And I would play the triangle, and that's the band. And that's, that's, the, and that's it. Yeah. That's all that You know what? It'd be so entertaining. <laughs> it'd be it's so possible, good. yeah. Gavin, you do yeah. play guitar. Yeah, You man. do play yeah. guitar. Yeah. Let's talk to Gavin. Your guitar got stolen on set? Yeah, not from on set. From Ross's no. car? From yeah. Ross's car, man. It was the night before. Dude. It was like the last night, and... Uh, I, I was flying back and I had I was traveling with a lot of stuff and I asked if I, I was stick my I was gonna right. drive to his house so he was like hey man can I put my guitar in your car um, and in Vancouver there's a lot of homeless people um, and I, unfortunately I just had my car parked in the in the wrong spot and yeah. they broke my window and took the guitar that's and that's literally the worst thing that anyone can take mm-hmm. that or a journal mm-hmm. because you you 
You have such a connection with Yo, your my instruments. My journal was in the guitar case. Whatever. <laughs> Are you serious? I realized after a month I've been looking for it. We're gonna get it back, I think. Did you just realize that right now? Yeah. I realized yeah. it like a little bit ago and was like, yeah, a little devastated by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's yeah. it sucks because yeah. you have such a connection and a relationship with your with your instrument. Mm -hmm. It's how you. It's how you communicate with mm -hmm. with your. I mean, I would say soul, but yeah. you know, mm -hmm. some people. You took this in such a beautiful direction that I now feel really bad of accusing you of stealing his guitar. <laughs> well, was I it a nice it. guitar? <laughs> yeah, man, it was a good one. It was all right. Yeah. It was a gift. It was a Takamini Pro Series guitar. And uh -huh. It was beautiful, man. Yeah, and wow. it sucks to see it go, but like, it's a, it's a. It sounds like a snack. <laughs> It's a way of speaking to your soul. It's a guitar, and you guys <laughs> are over here like, Takamini? yeah, I would, yeah, if we could just get a, a round of Takaminis, <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Number one. <laughs> what is the dynamic on set? What is this. like, it's wonderful. Are there any divides like mortals versus witches? Or no, it's just even. like different energies. I'm lucky that I kind of get the, the combo platter of everyone, you know, because <laughs> Sabrina interacts with everyone, but it, it varies day to day it depending does. on who's on set. I, if it's just Michelle and I, I would be worried for. Everyone, yeah, <laughs> um, and that does happen. But it just—it just depends. There's bigger days or smaller days. We're always—it's always fun, though. It's always, it's always creative and artistic and fun. It's, yeah. it's a really happy ship. Yeah, it's yeah. a happy yeah. ship. It totally is. It's like, a happy ship. It's we all enjoy. You can tell, like we all enjoy each other. Yeah. Who, who's like, most likely to like be joking, to be, like be having fun? Um, no, that wouldn't be me. Honestly, no, I think you're very that, serious. I would say that. Um, Lucy, when you get Lucy, Miranda, Michelle, and I together, it's uh, the not, tent yeah. that we're in is just like apparently is just very a lot giggly. Of mm. A lot of cackling. <laughs> a lot I mean, of cackling. We'll, we'll do but then, like you get you and and and, and Lachlan and, and and Ross and and that one's Ross. That's me. And, it's not uh, Ross. And, <laughs> 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 Good no, but but here's great times, here's, guys. Good times. I've slept for sure. We want to spend and, so much and, time and together. And all the, like, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's like There's been times where like Kiernan and Gavin will be doing their love scenes often on, on one stage mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. me and Jazz will be doing love scenes on another stage. Mm -hmm. yeah. And whenever both of us are cut at the same time, we'll like run to each other's stage just to hang out. Just to hang out, like just that, to have yeah. some yeah, fun. That's, that's, the, that's an example yeah. of how close we all really are. Everybody's having a really good time. Now, yeah. last question before we get to a game that I want to play. Yeah. Who's most likely to steal a guitar? Um, Me? Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not trying I to mean, pin like, it on you, but look, you had the story right out of the gate. It was your car. And you know, we also it's are a news organization. I gotta yeah, ask the sure hard question. Damn. Damn. All right, no, I'm, I am gonna ask the real hard question right yeah, now, awesome. though, okay? okay I, now, this is you guys yeah, as yourselves. Right. Cool. Are you Team Nick? Cool. Or Team Harvey? Let's go. Okay. I gotta be honest, man. I'm probably Team Nick. Okay, this is go. you yourselves. Oh. And this is what I, you gotta make the decision. Hold it up. Everybody okay. hold it up. Right. Team Nick or Team Harvey, go. What? Oh, just this is the game. Everybody, everybody, hold it up. So personally, I think Sabrina should explore her options. <laughs> I've been saying this for a while. She's 16. I don't think we need to have either team. <laughs> I mean, girls gotta like get on Bumble and have some fun. Know what I mean? I'm yes. Saying. A hundred percent. That's my pick. All right, team <laughs> options. Team options. There. Team so. Also, team options. I'm not. I'm choosing that. Team Harvey. Team Nick. Why? You got to. You got it. I love this guy. Oh, he's great. Look at him. He's wonderful. Yeah. Look at that face, oh, yo. Got the OG loves, man. There's something Look so that. romantic and beautiful. <laughs> this team. This, this is the team. Hold it up. That's hold, another hold ship. Up. That's another ship. It's them team. Wait, can I just like fold the fold the fold this back? Yeah, and just, like, do it. Do, yeah. do, 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 do the Narvi, bro. Team. Wait, no, I got, I got it. I got it. Watch, watch. Team Narvi. There it is. That looks as good as it's gonna look. I'm sorry. I'm clapping it up for this. Team Harvey. That's right. Team, you guys, thank you so thank much you. for coming thank on the show. We really appreciate it. It's so clear that you guys have a lot of fun. Thank you so much for thank making it, guys. This was fantastic. Uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina returns to Netflix this Friday. Get ready to binge it all, just like you binge season one. Up next, Saeed is sitting down with the G-O-A-T, greatest of all time, Serena Williams. Right? Yo, Serena's here? Yeah, Serena. Wow. I tried not to Yo, say Serena amazing. Williams all day.
Hello, my queens. This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with Serena Williams, winner of 23 Grand Slam singles titles. You know her. You better. Good morning. Thank you. Of course. I mean, we have to give people their flowers every opportunity. Well, I got a lot. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, rightfully you so. Gave me a lot. <laughs> Good. Um, something that has impressed me over your over the course of your career is that you've only, in my opinion, gotten better. You know, I think some people reach success and they're like, cool, not you. Um, and so I wanted to ask you first, how do you push yourself to have more success, not just on the court, but, you know, in business and in life? Yeah, um... I never tend to be satisfied with my results. Mm. You know, I always want to uh, just have another result. And I have so much fun doing what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I did it. Let, let's do it again. Okay. Like, I'm like, again, again, yeah. again. You know? <laughs> I'm like that little kid that keeps saying more and more and more. It. So that's, that's kind of how it is for me. To that point, and, and to that point, speaking of business, I feel like any company uh, would obviously probably love to work with you. You know, you're very important and influential. So I wanted to flip it. How do you? You decide which brands or companies you want to work with because you have to pick up the litter. Yeah, we get approached by so many people, but in the end of the day, it has to be super authentic. It okay. has to be something that I use okay. um, or that I'm a part of or I know about, I'm familiar with, or I like, or, you know, there's mm -hmm. a, you know, there's, so it leaves a lot of opportunity, but it has to really be authentic for me or else it just kind of doesn't work. Mm, it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, to that point, you're, you're brand ambassador for Pampers. Yeah. I love it. And Olympia, you've described her as a wild child. She is a wild wild child, but it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's curiosity. Uh -huh. It's For me, it's about learning different things mm -hmm. and being yourself and growing. And, you know, I think it's good. Yeah. I think we need to embrace the word wild child. I love it. I think Langston Hughes even has like a beautiful short poem about wild children. He's you know? actually one of my favorite poets. Okay. And I don't know that. I'm going to oh my go gosh. home and like look that one up. <laughs> I love yes. it. I love it. Well, something that, that struck me um, was that you've noted that, you know, sometimes when you're out with Olympia, you've gotten looks from people. Like, she's yeah. being herself, yeah. being a kid, and people are kind of throwing shade. Uh, how do you deal with those moments? What do you, advice for other parents? Um, yeah, so it's like you just got to embrace your child, who they are, and mm. what they want to do. And, you know, they're kids. Like, my baby is 18 months, mm. you know, and you have these kids that are 12 months mm -hmm. and a year and nine months. And it's like, they obviously don't know what to do. They, mm -hmm. It's it's the parents that teach them and that, you know, right. is is their total guide right mm -hmm. now. So that's how it has been for me in Olympia. And, you know, we just really kind of embrace who mm -hmm. she is. And Obviously, teach her along the way right. what she can do, what's good for her, what's mm -hmm. bad for her. Because she needs to, you have to think about it. She's learning everything from, she knows nothing. From scratch. <laughs> yeah, she's learning everything yeah. from scratch. And it's crazy because I'm a part of her learning process. Mm -hmm. So it's been really fun to partner with Pampers and then have everyone know that, first of all, Wild Child is great. And mm -hmm. then also with the 360s Cruiser, which we're so excited about, um, you know, it's the diaper that fits mm -hmm. incredibly. If it's like a yoga pant. Okay, so she can like, go. She can, yeah, That baby is wild. She's on the go. Uh -huh. And her 360 cruisers, cruisers is just like, she moves with uh -huh. it. And it's great because I can put it right on her. like uh -huh. Almost like a panty. Okay. You know, and it's, she just moves. It's right great. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, it, are you surprised that she's so wild? Are you are you starting to see? I mean, obviously you're active, it. so having I'm wild. active kids. Yeah, totally. I'm I absolutely love it. I embrace who I am. I want her to embrace uh -huh. who she is. I literally love every second of how she is. It's like it. she's the perfect kid for me. That's so for me. Beautiful. For you. And I couldn't <laughs> have any other kid. I here. love it. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Um, well, also, you know, your best friend, Meghan Markle, you know, have you yeah. been able to give her some baby advice? She's expecting as well. I mean, tons and tons and tons of advice, mm. but, you know, she has her own path that she's going, and it's <laughs> yeah, way does. harder than my path, um, but she's amazing. She's like literally one of the best people that I know. And, um, I'm just so happy for her. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, have there been moments where you and Alexis have seen yourselves in Olympia, like like parts of your, your yeah. personality kind of reflected back at you? Yeah. Um, Olympia's very determined. Okay. And I definitely see myself a little bit in that. <laughs> like, she she gets frustrated. Like, if she she's trying to put her buckle together and she okay. can't get it, she starts crying. Uh -huh. So when I'm crying on the court, okay. I'm <laughs> It's kind of what Olympia like, oh, does. Like, solidarity. You know, I'm like, yes, that's <laughs> just like a baby, like my baby. 
<laughs> not sure if that's a good thing. Or I better. like it, but um, it's fun, and like, and she just wants everything to be so perfect. Okay. Like, oh my god, that's what I do, but it's okay. You'll get it, and you know, she's she's a little stubborn. She like keeps doing her way, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, you gotta do it this way, and she, mm-hmm. but it's okay. She also eventually learns. The older she gets, the mm-hmm. more she's like listening. Okay. She's like, oh, okay, that's good. I'm still in awe that I'm a parent. Yeah. Like, how did I become a mom? <laughs> Incredible. And it sounds like you're doing a great job. Thank you. So good. Um, Something that obviously a lot of people love is Quay Quay's Mm -hmm. social media presence platform, empire that Quay Quay's building. Who came up with the idea for it? Was it you? Was it Alexis? Yeah. So it was my idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Quay Quay is Olympia's doll. Yeah. Um, And so I wanted her. I wanted Olympia, quite frankly, to have a black doll. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't, you know, there's so many dolls out there, but I wanted to choose a doll that was just a black doll for her first mm. doll. And I started posting about her on social media and I named her Quay Quay. Mm-hmm. Actually, me and my nephew named her Quay Quay. So and then, cute. Um, and it just, we started posting about her uh-huh. and it just became really authentic and it just uh-huh. became this thing that was bigger than life. Um, but yeah, we, it was definitely, it was all me that started it, really. I love it. And you're um, really funny. Not knowing that it was um, going to go so crazy. Yeah, I'm, a lot of people don't know that I, I'm actually never serious. Okay. <laughs> Only on the court. Only on the court. see me at. Okay. But. So you're more of a jokester than people realize? Yeah, definitely. I but, love it. You know, when I'm on the court, I'm very girl. I'm the most I've, I've seen person. you. No jokes on the court. I'm the most serious person in the world. So <laughs> it's I love different. It. Like I think I have to just relax when I'm not working. Okay, right on. Yeah. Um, well, something you know, uh, Nipsey Hussle. You know, the way he died earlier this week um, has been on a lot of people's minds, and I was thinking about the work you and your family, and your sister Serena and Venus, um, have done uh, in Compton. Uh, like, for example, you started a resource center there for people who had been impacted by gun violence, and and I was wondering if you could kind of speak to why that was so important for your family to do. Well, yeah, our family was impacted by an awful death and awful gun violence. And our sister, unfortunately, our eldest sister, unfortunately, passed. And it was a very difficult time for Mm us. And it still is a difficult time for us. What people don't realize um, is that it's not the family that's just impacted. It's friends, her her friend, her best friend, her her kids. She had three kids, her kids' friends, her neighbors, like everyone that was in her life. And she was a positive person in the community. It's it's all affected. So... um, we wanted to start something in Compton just to raise awareness of um, having a resource. So our our um, center, our resource center, the Serena and Venus Williams Resource Center, is really um, able to help people and kids and parents and um, friends to be able to go and have a resource to talk to people mm-hmm. and to just kind of get things off their chest. Or um, in particular with kids, there's like art a- is an area That's for great. art and yeah. you know, just to create and just kind of let things go. It's an awful time um, that you have to go through in your life and it takes years to get over mm-hmm. and um, it's very hurtful, but um, you just have to kind of you know, get through it and, and try to be positive. And we have a really strong base and belief in God. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of what we have to rely on. Yeah, I mean, and that's such an important point that it's, it, grief is always incredibly difficult, but, you know, especially, you know, gun violence, it doesn't just impact the family, it's it's the community. And um, I've noticed as people have been grieving Nipsey Hussle, like it's it's a similar situation where people are talking about the community work he did and, and that it's so hard. And as someone who has been through that experience and turned it into a contribution of hope, um, what encouragement would you say to people right now who are shaken, you know, who who are scared? Yeah, you know, I think we're all shaken by what happened Mm -hmm. recently. Um, And it's difficult, you know. It's a situation that I don't really like talking about on TV because I kind of know Lauren, so I'd rather not talk about it. I totally understand that. Well, also, I mean, to that point, you have continued to succeed. You've continued to succeed on the court. Um, in life, you know, you have your fashion line. You're working with with Pampers. And I, I just admire you so much in terms of how you've been able to go through these difficult experiences and continue to shine. Are there people in your life who have continued to inspire you along the way to do that? Yeah, yeah. Um... 
You know, I think the biggest inspiration is probably my sister. She's mm. been really amazing for me, mm -hmm. um, Venus. And yeah. She always just has such a positive voice, and she always sees the bright side. And mm. she's been through a lot in her life, you know, personally in terms of her health and et cetera and her career. And, you know, she's always just so positive mm -hmm. about it. And so she's someone that I really, really look up to and um, really connect with and for years and years and years. And she's really the reason, one of the biggest reasons I am who I am is mm -hmm. because of her. So um, I just really take so much uh, thanks and pride and really inspiration from Venus. That's beautiful. Well, shout out to her. She's an yeah. icon as well. And to you, you mean so much to so many people. And I just want to tell you, every time you hit the ball, you are lighting up people's lives. Um, and it just, you know, times are tough out here. Um, and so we really appreciate you as a hero. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Serena. Guys, you can look out for Serena and Baby Olympia's super cute Born to be Wild Pampers video online. It's adorable. Get your life. Up next, Isaac and I are going to read more of your tweets. Thank you so much. Welcome back. Am I still here? I, here's what I, I just Did wanna, I make it? I want to take a moment. I just want to take a moment. I want to take a moment. One, did you black out during it? A couple times. Do you remember everything that happened? Um. Do you know? This is where I want to start. This is where I want to start. It's like I like to interview sometimes after your interviews. Uh, do you remember that you talked poetry today with Serena Williams? Oh, I did. I forgot it to you. <laughs> You know, it is, it's very surreal. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't, you know, go to college expecting to like end up getting to sit across from Serena Williams one day. So it's like the moment she answered questions, I would usually kind of get stunned, mm. and it, you know. Also, she had on these beautiful like ruby red, like high heels, and we were talking about Dorothy having a good night in Oz before we got back from the break. <laughs> um, also, I looked at one of her diamond rings at one point and totally lost my train of thought. It was the literally the biggest rock I've ever seen. Do you need to go get your eyes checked? I just, it, there's lots going on. She's incredible. She's so <laughs> beautiful. Uh, oh, God. Okay, so Nichelle, you had this to say about the interview with Serena. Yes! Serena Williams is on AM to DM, and I'm still hoping for the Quay Quay movie on Netflix. Mm. Same. I didn't, I love that Serena is writing the Quay Quay. Isn't that well, that's what I loved about it, too. Seriously, to hear, I mean, especially somebody that is so focused, so dedicated, so incredible, yes. like we said, the greatest of all time, mm -hmm. to have somebody be that focused, that serious, and then they're like, outside of it, though, you got to cut loose. Yeah. And that, like, what so a good. joy. What a joy to hear that. So cool. Uh, we also <laughs> asked, do you think Patti Lapone will ever tweet again? Mm -hmm. Softy38 says, you know what? I will be okay if that is the only time Patti Lapone ever tweets because what a mic drop. What a mic drop. Well, girl, she dropped the mic and she picked it right back up <laughs> uh, because she's already tweeting it and I love it. She tweeted this like two hours ago, drunk at the pub with the squad. With squad? That's what, this is, we Where is she? We also talked about <laughs> earlier in the show how we love people who treat Twitter the way I think it should be treated, yeah, which yeah. is like, here's what's going on in my life. Patty's on it. I'm Patty's just like, here I, I am, am. Ready for the ride. Getting beers. Could you imagine being at a pub minding your... I mean, would they... I don't know. It just... Is everyone at Theater Queen everywhere? I don't know. But if I would have walked in like for a pub, I I just, oh my God. Sit down and have a beer with Patty. <laughs> that was absolutely incredible. What a fun show. Uh, the conversation with the Supreme Guest, they were just absolutely oh my God. Yeah. wonderful. I think that I, I was so like focused and like trying to get my life together for Serena that I couldn't. Let me tell enjoy. you, they were a goddamn they delight. Were adorable. Praise Satan yes. and thank you to our guests, Dominic Holden, Lysandra Villa, Michelle Gomez, Kiernan Shipka, Ross Lynch, Gavin Leatherwood, Amanda Moll, Serena Williams, and Stephanie McNeil. Okay, we will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Have a great rest of your day. I'm gonna go take a nap or something. <laughs> <laughs> or run around the block. Uh, maybe, yeah, we'll there's see. a lot going we'll up and see. down. <laughs>